want to recap for a second on the past two messages because, man, they're important and they're powerful and they are just the, the I was laughing last week, um, last Sunday when I was in Nigeria, I was laughing, chuckling rather, during Alexa's message because it just was just so perfectly just lining up for what he was giving me, what he was having me study, and, and I believe what he's got for this morning. And, um, you know, even, even back to Greg's talking about the fasting and the importance of fasting and how it is for the season because we're, we're in a 21-day fast that we are now just ending the second week on and beginning this final seven days. Anybody not hear the word from Tuesday that was given through Alexis? All right, I'm, I'm going to read this because I'll read it at some point because it's just highly important for, for everyone to hear this word before, before the start of this week. Um, I, I need to get across before I get started that this next seven days, they're going to be extremely serious, extremely important, and I need everybody to understand that very fact. Um, the, the word the Lord had given me, the, the title, the, the whatever, the message, if you will, that, that he had me going on on a trail in just studying these past couple weeks, is war is upon us. Um, I'm going to go ahead and actually, uh, Will, when, when did the Lord give you the word that he did? Was that before Tuesday? I can't remember what the timing was. Before Tuesday? Because I, I want to read that, actually. And, and Lord God, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity this morning, God. Just help my nerves the first time I'm doing this. Lord, in, in, this, in this setting, in this, this structure, God, I, I just pray that you completely take over everything that I'm going to say. Give me peace. And God, I just ask you to fill my mouth, take my hands, just completely get across what you need to get across. God, I thank you. I am humbled by the fact that you have trust and faith in me to give this message this week right as the kickoff of this important week that you've given. God, I thank you. I praise you. And I just ask for your will to be done this morning in Jesus' name. Um, <clears throat> I don't think I have it on here. Will actually text Greg while we were in Nigeria. I think it was, I don't know, Monday, Sunday, something like that. Early Tuesday morning, okay. Um, and the word that the Lord, the Lord gave Will is, is just simply this. There is a major war coming. There are, those of you have, there are those of you who have been chosen from this very beginning. You are my warriors. You have been created from, for this from the beginning. You have had visions of this. I have instilled in you everything that you need for this fight <clears throat> and more to come. Rely on me and nothing else. Only with my power will you be able to defeat what is coming. This will be a real war. Remember, I am always with you, and I never leave you or forsake you. I am the Lord your God. So that was the word that, that got sent to Will, and, or given to Will, and Will sent to us early Tuesday morning, as he said. And, we, you know, it, it just goes so heavily with what the Lord had been speaking to me. It went heavily with what the Lord had been telling Greg, and we had talked about it. And, and we were just so expectant, so much that, that Greg just didn't even sleep. He just didn't even sleep. Um, he, he was just thinking and thinking, and the Lord was talking to him. And, and you know, we were just so, so excited for, for what the Lord had. And it, it was interesting because the Lord told um, 
Greg to shut down the call whenever it came down to anything that the Lord would, would speak or say, shut down the, the phone call. And it's just hilarious because that actually allowed Greg to sleep because he knew he couldn't listen on the call all night. Um, <clears throat> I, I want to go ahead and read this, this word actually now from Alexis. And just pay attention because the Lord has said specifically that every word that he speaks is of very high value. It's, it's specific and it's, and it's for a purpose. There's no just, you know, oh, I just, just said that because. He doesn't do that. It's a purpose with everything that he says and there's, there's a high meaning to it. The word that, Alexis, that came through Alexis on Tuesday night is, I am the Lord your God. I am that I am. Jesus is my son in whom I am well pleased. He was sent here to die and he conquered death and the grave and he rose again and lives at my right hand. Thank you for heeding my word and entering into this fast in obedience with me, with my will. I must ask you, do you trust me? Do you trust me? The last seven days of this fast will bring the answer to that question. I know the answer, but you need to know the answer. What I will ask of you, what I will take you through, will bring the answer to that question. It has been hard for many and has not been hard for some, but it will be more difficult for all during this time. But do not fear, for I am with you. I will be your strength in your weakness. Some of you have not known the strength that I can be because you have not allowed it. You must desire me to be your God and you must allow me to be your God. It is time. It is time for you to know the answer to the question, do you trust me? I love you with an everlasting love, a love that you must receive in order to give. Because as I have spoken before, my love is my power, my power, my power. It must go forth from this place. Some in this world are fighting against it, and they are fighting hard. Nothing can prevail against my love. It is in the very shield I have set up for this movement that I have named Ignition. Ignition, Ignition. And if those of you who were there... I wouldn't dare try to copy this because there's no comparison. But it, it was a declaration in, in just an all-out scream, a war cry, a, a, a just declaring it to, to the heavens, to the nations. It, it's a rally. It was just, it was the ignition of, of a movement, it felt like. Um, that... That just goes so heavily with, with what the Lord's given me this week, and that is just that war is upon us. And I know that sounds kind of ominous that, you know, oh, war is upon us, winter is coming, you know, something like that. <laughs> but seriously, what, what is at stake here? Like, what are we actually talking about? You know, I, I, I was at the, uh, the uh, Holocaust Museum yesterday. I came in from D.C., spent the night in D.C., just tired, and Allie and I went to the Holocaust Museum. It's just really impactful. It was really, really moving. And it was interesting, though, because I came across a certain part. I think it was at the, the display of all of the shoes, where they have all the shoes. And there was a placard with, like, a quote. And I, I couldn't remember for the life of me, you know, what the actual quote or who the person was. Let me see if I still have that picture here. 
took a picture of it. Um, <clears throat> okay, it was a Jewish survivor of of the Treblinka killing center. I don't know how to pronounce that, but one of one of the killing centers that they had. The beginning of this quote, though, has a statement that I find, you know, not, I'm not trying to start anything or anything, but I, I find it to a point. I, I get the I get the point they were trying to bring across, but it is to a point spiritually ignorant, because the the statement was not even Lucifer could possibly have created a hell worse than this. I found that interesting because the whole, it's very ironic because the fact of the matter is that that was Lucifer's hands all over it. I mean, bottom line is he saw the significance over the Jewish people and he did everything he could through Adolf Hitler to just exterminate them. Just take them out. Take out that bloodline, get rid of it, not have to worry about it anymore. I'll succeed if this happens and they're gone. You know, we're, we're, we're golden. I'm, I'm moving along. And it, it just found, I just found that interesting because there's a level of not recognizing what is actually at hand, you know, going through that. And I don't discredit what the point was. I get what the point is 100%. And I agree with what the point was bringing across, the fact that this was unimaginable. It was horrifying, and I agree with that. But from the spiritual point of understanding that statement, we really have to be aware of what's taking place in the spirit realm in, in, in our daily lives. And next week, I've just got this heavy, heavy laid weight of the gravity that is of next week. You know, and that's why I started this off with this is so important. It's so important to understand that. And so war is upon us, I felt was an appropriate thing. I mean, that's what he gave me, and I felt that was appropriate because... We know that there's something heavy there. We know that there's great reward. We know that God wants to bring breakthrough. That's what fasting does. It brings breakthrough in many different ways, corporately, individually. But with that breakthrough, you've got to be kidding yourself if Satan is just okay with that, and that's fine. I, I just, let him, just let him have that. That's fine. No, that's, that's ridiculous. It's, it's not the case. He absolutely wants to stop this at all costs. Therefore, this is going to be a war. It's going to be an absolute war because the level of, of gravity and the level of what he wants to bring next week is certainly going to bring an intense battle. So <clears throat> those last two sermons, just about the importance of fasting and, and le uh, levels equals lessons, I think is what the, what the uh, or lessons equal levels, excuse me, is what Alexis's was. And my favorite quote from that, by the way, was if you want the wisdom of God, you've got to get stupid. Love that quote. It's awesome. It's going to be on a on a meme somewhere online one day. That'll turn it into a shirt. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, for those who who aren't continuously part of this church, aren't continuously part of this, visiting, checking it online, whatever it is, you know, it, it seems really like uh, wow, this is hardcore. You know, oh, wow, you know. Isn't, isn't Jesus like the Prince of Peace? Like, you know, that's a little too much. Well, you know, yes, he absolutely is. But to bring peace, peace comes through the war, through, through the dismantling of the enemy rising against. And, and there's so much scripture, man, that, that just explains that. And, and I've got a couple of them I just want to take, you know, just go through. I'll just quote them. I'm not going to have you look them up or anything right now. But 2 Corinthians 3 through 5 says, The weapons we fight with, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. 
We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. James 4, 7. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Romans 8, 38 and 39. In all things we are more than conquerors. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. And those are slightly paraphrased, bringing together, but... Why, why have a lot of these things? Like, why have all, you know, why, why do we need to, re- if there's no battle, there's no, you know, it's, we're just at peace. Why do we have to resist things? Like, why, why do we have to fight? You know, what weapons? This is peaceful. You know, we're like, like the Quakers. We don't have weapons. We're just peaceful. No, there's warfare involved in this. You know, and, and I know that we understand that. Um, God also gives us the armor of God. And I, I just want to read this section. And about two years ago, I found in, uh, the God Squad group or something like that, I found notes that I had actually put together on the armor of God, on each individual piece, and how how it related to even the, the Roman soldier. By the way, that, that is me. Um, we had a photo shoot and everything. The camera just puts on a couple hundred pounds. That's all it is. So that, that is me in the photograph. I did not rip this off from the movie 300, if you're wondering. Um, but Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as for shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So why do we need armor? Like I think I just talked about some of that, but there's another verse. There's another scripture. Second Corinthians 4, 8 and 9. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Why? Probably because we have armor. Right? So a helmet. Like, why use the picture of this war imagery? You know, I, I know that it's, it's definitely for that day because, you know, we don't fight with swords anymore and things like that. We don't, you know, usually have those types of shields in the battles. You know, we have, like, like armor. Or we might, you know, some of them, like SWAT team, they have those big things, you know, or whatever the... the Ram, whatever they're called. Yeah. Why a helmet? So I'm going to read some of my notes on each one of these pieces and just just start to bring these things together a bit. A helmet provides protection um, for a soldier against damaging and deadly blows to the head. Spiritually speaking, the helmet of salvation provides hope and protects the mind against anything that would disorient or destroy the Christian, such as a discouragement or deceit. So, I have another piece of scripture. I'm just going to start throwing these things in here, guys. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 and 9. But let us who are of the day be sober, 
putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Understand that, that particular sentence there. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So it talked about the helmet of salvation and how it protects against the deadly blows like discouragement, deceit, all of these different things. The deadly blows, right? The ones that will kill you, that will stop what is happening in, in what you're doing. The, the hope that we have there is the fact that no matter what next week brings, no matter what Nigeria brings, what, what, no matter what things take place in the way and the path God calls us to, he didn't appoint us to wrath. Understand that. Understand that there's not some kind of like, well, I didn't wear the shirt he told me to wear today, so I guess I'm just going to have to suffer. He didn't have wrath on us for that. He loves unconditionally. Now, there's judgment. Don't get me wrong. You go out and just sin all day and, and stuff like that. Don't expect to just, you know, oh, it's, it's all good. No problem. There's forgiveness. There's not condemnation. But there is judgment. Um, <clears throat> the belt. Why a belt? It'll hold up my pants, that's for sure. You know, that's a good thing, trust me. <laughs> but why the belt? The belt of truth. In the Roman army, a Roman soldier, the belt literally held everything together. It held the entire armor basically together. The other really key factor is it had, I think it's called the scabbard, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know what they call it. The, 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 the sword holder. So it literally holds huh? sheath. Okay, sheath. Sheath. But it, it, it holds the sword, right? This, this belt, you know, if you, you know, imagine a soldier who's just like so excited it's their first day, you know, battle, battle, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they get out there and they go running. Oh, I forgot my belt, which in turn they forgot their sword as well and they're just not ready, right? They're, they're going to have a hard time. But this belt of truth literally holds together the entire, the entire bit of anything. You know, you run out of the, the, the kilt or whatever they wear, the pants, something, you know, it, it'll fall down. It's not held together. The sword's not there. They have no place to hold, you know, put the sword to carry it. It, it just, it's, it doesn't work without the belt, right? It doesn't work without truth. You have to have truth. Even, even the sword of the spirit. Uh, I'm going to skip right into the sword of the spirit. Sword of the spirit. <clears throat> The Roman gladius, I wrote that one down. The Roman gladius has become known as the sword that conquered the world. Adapted from a Spanish design, the prowess of a gladius in close range combat made it a fearsome tool in the hand of a skilled Roman soldier. When sharpened, its dual, -edged, uh, dual edges wreaked havoc on unarmed foes, while its tapered point could pierce through even heavy metal armor. There's a verse for that. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Understand what this really means, right? Like this, this sword, this, this, the, the discerning of the intentions and the heart's desire and all this. This sword, does it mean we just go grab a sword and chop everybody up? No. What this means, the, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Okay? 
I mean, why, why do you think that in witchcraft, these witches use these verses? They, they, they use these and they twist, they pervert the truth, right? They take these verses and they declare a false truth of them. Understand that, that what the Lord has even called in some of that warfare has been to then turn around and declare the truth of that verse. Say the verse in its truth. Because talking and, and speaking the word of God over something, declaring the word of God over a situation, over, over a discouragement of what's going on, literally just completely splits off what is actually taking place versus what, what your what your mentality is thinking and, and all these things. It separates the lies from the truth. It literally cuts down to the joints and marrow. It literally separates these things through the speaking of the word of God. So don't don't think that you know, when, when you're up against something in a, in a battle, when you're up against something, uh, just a discouragement, whether it be family coming against you, whether it be, you know, whatever, all of these things can be combated. It doesn't just have to be taken on. It can be combated with the word of God. Uh, you know, I, I know firsthand experience. I've heard stories from so many others that, that literally just coming back to, to a statement made or a false claim that's just trying to debunk something that, that God has told us or that God has, has brought us through, the truth of the matter, you know, things, people will say things to come against them. I, I know from firsthand experience that just quoting scripture that literally is in alignment with that and it's truth totally just blows up what they had to say. And it's, uh, 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 okay. And they just, they silence themselves because you can't, you can't, you can't debunk the word of God. Um, it's just not possible. It is the absolute solid truth. So understand that that is a solid weapon. It is the gladius of, of the Christianity, if you will, and it will conquer the world. It absolutely will. So we, we will continue to use that. Um, <clears throat> what purpose did a breastplate serve? The breastplate was a central part of the Roman soldier's army. It provided protection for the torso, which contains vital organs like the lung, uh, the heart, and so on. Without a breastplate, a, a soldier would be asking for death as any attack could become instantly fatal. With a sturdy breastplate, the very same attacks become ineffective and useless as blows glance off of the armor. So Proverbs 11.4 says, Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. So it's talking about that purity. Right? The righteousness. What is right? I'm not just, I, I am righteous. You know, no, it's the purity of your life. It's, it's the actions that you take during the time where no one's watching. It is verbatim what's going on right now in the fast. Right now, everybody can sit here and smile and, yeah, I'm fasting. I'm so hungry. And they go home and they're having like two double cheeseburgers from McDonald's. Nobody has to know. You know, that, that, that is a purity issue. That is something that, that is developed in your personal relationship with the Lord. It is something that, that I mean, even down to these these songs, man, uh, man, I missed worship. I missed worship when I was away, and God's going to have to really help me with that when we're gone. Um, but man, I missed worship. It is just so powerful. It is so true, and and even in these words, you know, we understand what you're declaring when you sing these things, man. Understand, you are you are literally saying. You know, I want more of you. I don't want to leave your presence. I want to be with you, which is my favorite song, by the way. You know, I want to be with you. I just, I don't want to leave this. I, I just need more of you. You know, if, if you think for a second that you are ready for what's coming this week, you're mistaken. 
you're absolutely mistaken. If you think you're ready for a second, because you're not, God is. And it does not come, this readiness does not come through something that you prepare yourself for. It does not come through a simple action or a choice that, that you've made besides being intentful with serving the Lord, with spending that personal time with the Lord in the secret place without really developing that, that relationship with the Lord. You know, it's, it's kind of like a, like a joke, you know, a little bit that, you know, a relationship, if, you know, if we don't hear the word relationship every Sunday, then we're, we're not hearing from the Lord. You know, it's always that word. But man, it is the truth. It is the absolute truth and the key to a lot of things, to, to everything. It is relationship with Jesus Christ. It is relationship with your Lord and Savior. Because it's not just enough to just be saved. Like that, that's enough to get you to heaven. It's not enough to get through the things that are going on. If you don't believe me, I mean, take a look at some of these churches that, that, are, that are claiming to be Christian. Take a look at all of them. Take a look at the fruit of what's taking place. When something really tough happens, what, what is the fruit of their reaction? What is the fruit of, of what the Lord is able to do through these situations? You know, un understand it isn't you and you can't be enough ready for what's coming to next week. You can't be enough ready for what's about to happen after the service. And I don't even think anything major is going to happen after service except the meeting. You can't be ready enough, but God is. So if you need to be, why, why do you think in school when, when, you know, there's a test coming up or a pop quiz, right? Like all those, those class clown people or the jocks or, you know, it's like the stereotypical thing. They're like, oh. Smart kid. Okay, I'm going to go sit next to you. Okay, because they're not ready, but that kid is. So I'm going to go be with him. You know, like, like that's how I'm going to pass. I'm going to pass because I'll get next to the person who is, and, and we'll like, hey, buddy, how's it going? We have a really good relationship, right? You're, you're my friend. Give me the answers. You know, it, it, comes, it comes like there's, a, there's a, 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 an intellectual understanding of that, so why don't we have a spiritual understanding of that, right? Shoes. Got to have some shoes. Got to have those those bands. Got to have those whatever the cool shoes are. I got mine at Walmart, so whatever. Jordans, yeah, the Air Force Ones, you know, the shoes. Why why are shoes mentioned in the Bible? Like what, you know, okay, to have shoes. Yeah, shoes are important, you know, okay. Well, what's the spiritual significance of those, right? Shoes. Could you imagine? If you have kids, I don't, but I'm from movies and things I see. But if you have kids... You understand that shoes are important. Peter and Lindsay, where are you at? Peter. I'm sure it's already started for you. Because when you wake up in the middle of the night or whatever, you're going to get your kid and you don't have those shoes on. Ouch, Lego, Lego, ouch. It hurts, right? You know, like it, it, it's really hard to navigate, okay? Without shoes, it becomes very difficult for a soldier to navigate a battlefield, especially when there's debris on the field, right? Imagine bullet casing, shells, debris from an exploded building. I, I don't know. You name it. You name it. Whatever it is. It's really, it's really difficult with rocks and twigs. Come on. Who are you kidding? Like, I, I don't like going out barefoot without a war going on. It's really difficult to navigate a battlefield without shoes. You become fearful about your next step. You don't know what I'm going to hit. Like, oh, what am I going to hit? Is it going to be a Lego this time? Is it going to be a car? Is it going to be, you know, is it going to be a, like a thumbtack? Ouch. A nail. Everybody's seen Home Alone? Yeah. Awesome movie. Dude puts a nail on the steps. He steps on the nail. And, and then he, you come into the house, you know, through the window. And he's had to take off the shoes now because they've been glued to the stairs. You come in and now he's got ornaments all over the floor. And so you're stepping on the lift. Ow. 
I feel for those guys. Those guys had it bad. All right, don't, don't mess with that kid, Kevin. But it becomes very difficult to navigate without shoes. You become very fearful of your next step. You don't know what the next thing is going to be. So you, you hesitate, right? If I don't know what's going to be next, I don't, it's in the dark. I'm trying to get my kid out of the crib and I don't want to turn the lights off. Or I just need to grab this sippy cup so I can clean it. You know, whatever. I don't know. Is there going to be a Lego? <laughs> you can't be fearful in a battle. You can't be fearful like that. You have to have shoes on. Guys, you have to have shoes on. What are shoes? It is the gospel of peace. It is the understanding that bottom line in the spirit, all this stuff's done. Jesus said it is finished. It's done. It's been won. We still have to have a battle for it to manifest in the, in the, in the natural, in the physical, and I get that. But bottom line is we're not going into some battle that, that can't be won, that, that isn't going to be won as long as we step, right? We can't think twice in, in, our, in our move to Nigeria. It's going to be real, real dangerous at certain points. It can be. You can't go to a market and on your own whim, not having, you know, sought the Lord on that in some of these times, in these tough times. You know, to, to understand that there's a level of, of danger that comes with misstepping in certain ways, you, you, can't, you can't be fearful about where to step next. We have to have a peace about what is next. So that is the, the shoes, the shoes of peace. And I don't know what time, I don't care. I'm just going to go until I'm done, by the way. I don't know what time it is. Um, shield the shield I'm going to read these notes the, the, the scutum something like that, that's what it's called I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right but the scutum was an impressive line of defense because of its sheer size some were three and a half feet tall three feet wide, something like that they were, they were big things soldiers were afforded a great deal of protection from enemies because of its slight curve because it was curved a bit it was able to deflect attacks without transferring the full force of the, the assault to the man holding the shield. So you can imagine if it's like squared off and flat, somebody takes a big sword and just boom. And, you know, obviously these guys are pretty tough and strong. So it would bring the force. Just boom right to that shield. You're going you're gonna to have the impact of that blow. But imagine it being curved. And as soon as you hit that thing with a point, the, the, the thing just slips or slides to the right. So all of that force is just diverted. So it's less of an impact to you, right? Yes, you're protected, but then on top of that, it's less of an impact because of its curvature. Because of its boss, or it's like, you know, just, just sheer size and all of that, it was able to deflect even more vicious blows and function in a limited offensive capacity as a means of knocking an opponent backwards. So you could literally take these shields, and even though it's meant for defense, that same defense can just boom! Anybody seen the movie 300? If you haven't, you know, young kids probably don't want to watch that. It's pretty gory. But this movie here, they have clips and things, you know, just, they, they're just strategic. They have these shields. There's even a scene with this guy with like 50, 50 arrows in it, and he just takes it up, just poof, just knocks the arrows off of it, just, just, just in an epic way. It was just such a spiritual representation of these fiery darts, like, poof, not going to mess with me, ah. you know. <laughs> It's just taking on all these attacks. And then there's a scene where they're working as a team and they put these shields in front of them and they're blocking the attacks coming onto them. And it's just, it's looking really intense. I don't know about this. Uh, they might start to lose. The, 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 you know, the, the enemy is an overwhelming force. I don't know. They take these shields in teamwork. They form a line and they just, boom, they knock them back a couple feet. And then the next thing, they jump up and they're just in a teamwork, just knocking them back. 
They, they defend a little bit, and then boom, knock them back again. They defend a little bit, boom, knock them back again. And that's like 80% shield, right? They haven't even started with their offensive. They're on defense still, and they knocked them back like a football field. It's insane. So understand that, that the Lord is going to equip you with, with what you need for, for, this, for what's to come. He doesn't just send you into a battle and be like, you know, uh, you know like, like even, in, even in the intellectual, like David and Goliath, when he went to go fight David, you know, he goes through there and he's just like, okay, I'm just going to grab a rock and a little sling or whatever. And everybody's like, no, 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 let's get you some armor. You know, here's some stuff. And he's sitting here like, like dragging it behind him going, I can't carry this. You know, all this stuff. And, sorry. And, um, it's just, I don't know, it's just really interesting. This, this, this entire, like, practical to the spiritual, it just lines up so well. Um, and, and I, and I want to give you these practicals because I think it's, it's good to understand in not just this Heidi, like, you know, oh it's, oh, it's up in the sky somewhere, spirit, you know, whatever. No, there, there's a practical application to this. It, while we may not be going out there and stabbing someone with a sword, there's a practical still application to even the strategy on how to use these things in the spirit. <clears throat> uh, we already talked about the sword. It, it talks about prayer, you know, in, in that same thing. I know that it doesn't say that it's like a piece of armor or whatever, but it says utilizing these things with all prayer and supplication, praying throughout the whole time. You know, it just brings to my mind, I had a quick, quick jot note just about the unrighteous judge and the widow, Right. Like just constantly going before prayer. It's, it's that. It's constantly going before the judge, needing this victory, needing this victory. Because if you understand anything about what we have done thus far, what the Lord has brought us through, it is that everything happens in the spirit first. So we don't go up and fight for this building or fight for this move in Nigeria first. We go before the Lord, before the court, and get this thing judged, rendered in our favor. We fight this in the court of heaven, in, in, before the Lord, in the spirit. Then we go. Then we go and actually take the land that he then declares is now ours, right? So that's, that's the way it takes place. So it's prayer. One that gets kind of lost sometimes, like I think everybody here knows it in all this with the, with the, the armor. But one of the things that kind of gets missed sometimes in the reading about the armor, because it's not mentioned uh, you know, in, in the section I read in Ephesians, is the cloak of zeal. The cloak of zeal. In Isaiah 59, verse 17, it says, He put on righteousness as his breastplate, and on the helmet of salvation on his head, he put on the garment of vengeance, and he wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. And this is talking about the Lord, talking about, you know, coming after, you know, coming after, after his people to try to, to try to bring, you know, he, he, he just, it's just describing, you know, the Lord's kind of feelings on that. And, says the cloak served multiple important functions for the Roman soldier. It provided warmth, which was important to defend against the cold. Natural oils were used to make it nearly waterproof, which was important when the rains came. It also provided makeshift bedding, which was very important during long marches. Without his cloak, a soldier was subject to bitter cold, freezing rain, and painfully uncomfortable nights. These uncomfortable conditions or unfortunate conditions would give an, a noticeable edge to a better equipped enemy since a cold, wet, and sore soldier can easily be demotivated um, and a demotivated soldier, while not incapable of fighting, is not performing at his peak. Your zeal. What is zeal? So zeal is like your passion. Zeal is the drive. 
the drive to understand what's, what's taking place, the drive to understand why I'm doing this. What is, what is my, what is my heart set on? What is my posture? Right. And I promise I'm on, like almost halfway done. Um, we really, really have to be committed to this spiritual warfare. If this is really what your what your intent is, what your decision is, that zeal talks about. You know, I, I, I did a, a good study over the Navy SEALs and just like the, the 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 psychological aspects of why, like why do they do all this? What's their reasoning behind it? Just from an intellectual standpoint, not spiritual. Like, why do they do this? Because I know there's going to be you know there's going to be a spiritual application to even their practical applications of things, and. For the Navy SEAL, I, I did a little article of this guy who, who was a former Navy SEAL, and it talks about how it's like you know the eight keys to thinking like a Navy SEAL, something like that. And but it was interesting, even the eight points. And I'm not going to say them all because some of them, you know, I, whatever. But the first one is the mentality, right? Understanding for understanding the purpose, knowing your purpose. If you don't understand why we're going into this fast. If you don't understand why we've been fasting, like this is not just something where we said, oh, it'd be really cool if we like starve ourselves a little for 14 days and then for seven days, do it like worse, <laughs> shut our metabolism down. And then on Sunday morning, jolt start that sucker up with like a pizza. This is not, this is not why we do this, right? If you don't understand why, we are fasting. Man, you gotta, you got to open your eyes. you got to open your eyes. Seek the Lord on this, guys, because this week is important. I, I won't stop saying it. Uh, I'll be a redundant record. It is very important, these next seven days. I have never seen in my short time being with Ignition or, or with the Lord, period. Let's be honest, it's probably just Ignition that I was with the Lord. But, look, I've never seen as much emphasis from the Lord being put on a specific period of time. I have never seen as many warnings. I have never seen as many words come in for one specific piece of time. Never. I haven't. Some of y'all might have, and that's fine. I haven't. So it speaks to me heavily. You need to be committed to what is taking place here. You can't just do this as, as a, well, this is what we're all doing, so I'll do it, whatever. You need to be committed. Understand what you're doing, because... In, in the SEAL training, their Hell Week, as they call it, you know, these, these intense trainings that everybody talks about all the time. Like, oh, you know, it's even used in, in a lot of different ways to describe other things. Like, oh, yeah, this is Hell Week at school. You know, I have two tests this week. You know, oh, you don't know anything unless you're Navy SEAL. So understanding that this mentality, you need to understand what your purpose is. These Navy SEALs don't, don't get through this Hell Week without, without knowing what their purpose is. Trust me on that. You, you get to the gym or something like that, which I've been twice. You go to the gym and you start on your, like, I don't know, second hour of running or whatever it is. I don't know. And it starts hurting, right? <clears throat> Until you understand why you're there. Like, if I'm just there because, well, I was just going to work out. When that pain starts hitting, it's like, well, I was just here to work out. So I'm successful. It hurts. <laughs> I'm going to go home, right? You, you stop when the pain hits. You stop when it gets real, right? Like, it's easy. Like, oh, I'm not even out of breath yet. <laughs> this is great. I'm exercising. <sighs> okay, I'm going home. You know, like you can't just stop in, in the middle of it just because it gets tough, right? And that's easy to do when there's not really any purpose. It's just like what I had scheduled this morning, right? That's an easy thing to do. There's no, there's no purpose. There's no zeal. There's no drive. 
Um, <clears throat> being committed to spiritual warfare takes high teamwork. And I'm, I'm going to get through these quick. I don't know what time we normally have. I forget, but whatever. The definition, I know, I'm just saying. The, the definition of, of teamwork is defined by a Navy SEAL, and I think by a dictionary somewhere, but this Navy SEAL defined teamwork into a short little sentence. Selfless acts toward a common goal. Selfless acts towards a common goal. So in breaking that down, even into the words, right? <clears throat> what is selflessness? On teams, loners are not welcome. The success of every team revolves around selflessness. Concern for inconvenience, personal discomfort, or personal agendas has no role on a team. None. The best teams have individuals who are selfless. Right? Acts. The word acts. What are acts? Actions, not words, are what counts. We all have implanted in us by our creator the knowledge of what is right and wrong. Adam and Eve, tree of knowledge and evil. We, we know what's right and wrong. Most of us will even go so far as to talk about what's right and wrong. <laughs> Sin wasn't at church this morning. That was wrong. Or, I don't know, that dude ate a whole pizza. That was wrong. No, we know what's right and wrong. We, we, we know the basics of just morally what's right and what's wrong. But without action, the knowledge and the words are absolutely worthless. And there's like a scripture somewhere in the Bible that says something about that, right? Like faith is dead without like, or like, like faith is dead without works. Is oh, that right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So, and, and I know that I'm just kind of joking around by saying I think there is. Um, <clears throat> towards the teamwork of the Navy SEALs exhibits that the, that the Navy SEALs exhibit is not characterized by random activity every action they take is meant to move them towards their goal unfortunately too many of us believe that being busy and active as a member of a team is good enough right like Who's been on a team for a school project and, you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, I got a few slides, you got a few slides on this PowerPoint, you, know, you got a few slides, like whatever. Or it's like a group thing and you all have to come up with one paper and you're supposed to all give it. Like, oh, I'm busy. I'll tell you what, guys, I'm going to go grab coffee for everybody. I'll go grab coffee for everybody and then I'll go and, and like, uh, grab donuts and, like, napkins. Sorry, I didn't mean to say food or fasting. Um, you know, I'm going to go do all these things really quick to help the team, Right. In essence, all you did was like completely, absolutely not pull your weight. Because bottom line is the, the task was not write a paper and make sure you grab donuts and coffee. It was write a paper. So you needed to have pulled your weight in writing that paper. And I know that everyone in this room is convicted from when they were in high school. So don't, don't you dare tell me that wasn't you. But <clears throat> um, towards, if I am not working towards specific or something specific, I am filling a spot on the team that should be occupied by a person who is driven to move the team forward. <clears throat> a common goal. So selfless acts towards a, I think you all know what that one means, just a common goal. The goals that matter on the team are team goals. Athletes more worried about individual stats or business people only worried about their department are, de 
are a detriment to the team. Once a common goal objective is laid out, a Navy SEAL does not care whether they are the one who gets to save the hostage or they are the ones who operate the radio. The goal is the safety of that hostage. No role in the mission is more glamorous than the rest. Understand that, that this all works towards what, what we're called to do. This fast is, is a team effort because it's a corporate fast. It's not an individual fast necessarily called for one specific person. This is a corporate thing. Um, speaking into that, I would highly recommend that you get an accountability partner for this fast. Get an accountability partner because I can tell you it's, it's like, I can tell you from last week, it was tempting. Everybody in Nigeria wants to cook for me when I'm there. Everybody in Nigeria. Oh, you have not eaten? Let me cook 14,000 meals for you tonight. You know, it's like, and it's so nice. Oh my goodness, so thank you. Tevez mom, thank you so much. That was wonderful. I really appreciate it. But I'll tell you, it, it's tempting. It's tempting. Like, I, I can only eat vegetables, fruits, things like that. I did the Daniel fast. Water, vegetable. I had fresh sweet orange juice. That was really good. Thank you so much for that. Look. It's tempting. And then on the airplane, on the airplane coming back, you know, Greg's in the aisle, I'm in the center. But Greg's in the aisle and the people come by and, you know, every single meal, you know, we got like a meal every flight plus a snack plus a breakfast. Like they feed you just nonstop on the flight. And every single time she come by, I'm like, oh, do, do you want chicken or do you want the vegetable stuff? Or not vegetable, but it was like vegetarian pasta, which I couldn't have either. It's like, you know, which one do you want? Oh, no, thank you. Oh, no, no, here, here. Are you sure? Really? You don't want it? Are you sure? It's like, you don't have to throw food at me. I said, no, quit tempting me. Say, get behind me. You know, it's like, oh, all I want is a sandwich in my mouth at that point, but can't have it. But there, there are a couple key aspects towards spiritual warfare. And this is, these are my last points. You really have to be committed, which we just talked about. You really need to adapt an at-war attitude. An at-war attitude is, in these couple points here, it's no longer playing it safe. Adapting an at-war attitude means you are no longer playing it safe. What is playing it safe? Playing it safe is, okay, um, I'm not so sure I want to say that thing that I think the Lord's telling me to say on Sunday morning because I don't want to offend anybody. I'm just going to play it safe. I'm just going to play it safe, Right? Like, you can't, you can't do that. You can't play it safe where, you know, in, in all these movies, you know, you, you see the dynamic when people are at war and, and the battle commanders are sitting there, like, screaming at each other. Like, they're in this, this dire point. It's like 30 seconds till they have to make a decision. It could be life and death. And they're just, no, we, we, need to, we need to, you know, whatever this is. I don't know an example. But, you know, there's a safe move and then there's the very risky move. Both have pros and cons. You really can't afford to be playing it safe in a, in, a, in a situation that is so crucial. So you really need to adapt an at-war attitude. An at-war attitude is where you willingly make sacrifices in which God asks of us. So an at-war attitude is not playing it safe, not playing it safe of, you've called me to have only water for seven days? That's going to be tough. I think I'm going to be safe and make sure I have just a little bit of protein, though. I don't know, because I just don't know. I could pass out or something. I don't know. I just need to have a little protein. You can't play it safe. You need to make the sacrifice the Lord calls us to do. I'm not, I'm not declaring that everybody has to do water. 
That isn't the Lord coming through me and saying that I don't believe at all. But the Lord will speak to you about your fast this week and about what is required. But it's, it's understanding that we are willingly making those sacrifices. It is a desire to be on the front lines. Okay? And I'm pretty positive almost every single person in here has had a moment where I've seen where they're just like, let me out of them, let me out of them. They're, they're just going. So it's that, that desire to be on the front lines and, and just absolutely be right there the moment the enemy gets there to just obliterate them in Jesus' name. And I, and I feel that in this room in like every battle we've ever been in. But <clears throat> that's part of that. And thinking like an overcomer. I mean, there's scripture talks about that a lot of different places. Thinking like an overcomer. We are overcomers. So thinking that way. Don't, don't come at this like, well, there's a chance that I might not actually win. But I'm going to make the sacrifice. No, think that you are. Understand that you are because Jesus said it is finished. It is, it is done. You will be victorious. And, and as long as you are in relationship with Jesus Christ and doing and stepping where he wants you to step, you will have victory. Not because it's you and you've been prepared and you've trained or whatever. It's because Jesus Christ is the overcomer and he will do it. And there is victory in Jesus' name. And God can do and will do everything that he sets out to do. So if he tells you he set out to accomplish such and such, and he says, come with me, I need you to stand beside me, and I need you to walk here when I tell you to walk here, because this is where I need you positioned when this, when this fight comes in, do it. Don't hesitate, do it. Because that is the one person out of anyone in this earth or not earth that will know what to do when it comes down to it and will have the victory. He is the smart kid in class. Get next to him. A tighter focus. It requires a tighter focus. A tighter focus guards against distractions or having your buttons pushed. It's all mind over matter. If I don't mind, it doesn't matter. Right? So it is this focus, this drive, and this tunnel vision, if you will, that, that keeps away these distractions or these doubts coming in. You have to be focused on what is at hand. You have to be driven. You have to understand what your purpose is, what you have set out to do in partnership with the Lord. What the Lord's called us to is, is just huge. Everything that he's called. You think about some of these promises. I mean, there's a reason why there's like the joke that we're whacked, right? There's a reason for that because these promises are just out there. They're so far Ephesians 3.20, right? They're huge. And, and I believe heavily that they're all coming. And I think they're coming very quick. But we have to be focused on that. We have to understand that when the pain hits through a circumstance, what the enemy tries to throw in circumstances that make it difficult, like, you know, I, I don't know, you're asking me to move. I have six children. How am I going to do that? You're asking me to quit my job. I'm, no one else in my house works and I have a mortgage that's $5,000 a month or whatever. I don't know. It's just like insanely impossible. There's no way you'd be asking me to do that. You have to understand that we have to be focused and these, these things, these circumstances, if I don't mind that my mortgage can't be paid, it doesn't matter. Do you actually mind? Would it, what would actually happen if your mortgage wasn't paid? Okay, you, you go in, you have at least three or some months before they'd actually come and get it. You know, there's time. There's all these things. Does it really matter? What is really important in your life? What is really important in this journey? Is it my house? Is my mortgage being paid or being late or not? Is it, or is it what the Lord called me to do? Is that more important? It's, it's the focus on that. What are we going to focus on? The fact that my house is paid or what the Lord's called me to do? It's recognizing that the enemy wants us entangled as part of that focus. Pursuing what moves you towards the objectives. 
Understand that Satan is literally with a word that was given at some point. I can't remember exactly when, but the Lord literally told us that the enemy is prowling. He is prowling and he is coming after us. I think we understand that just like just even from yesterday. I don't even know what your day was like yesterday, but I'm positive that Satan tried something because we're coming very near. Understand that he wants you entangled. He wants you entrapped. Understand that we need to pursue what moves us towards those object or those those objectives. You know, if if playing PlayStation 4 for 24 hours is going to move you closer to your objective, I salute you. That's great. I want that objective. But I don't, I don't think that it is. And I'm not saying PlayStation 4 is bad. I love video games. I haven't played them in a while, but I love them. But understand that we need to seek the, the things that do. What will, and I promise you, what will move you towards the objective is spending time with the Lord. Is spending time in the Word, spending time in prayer, spending time in worship. Get in your closet, get in your room, get in your car, Get in your treehouse, get in your jet. I don't know your life. But, uh, you know, just, just get in something, get in a space, a headspace where you can spend that time with the Lord. Um, <clears throat> understanding the importance of keeping your eyes on the Lord, not your abilities. That, that's a, a pretty good one there. Um, you really need to understand that this is, it's, it goes back to the whole thing that I said about, you know, this is, you can't be prepared. You can't be prepared. It's not about your abilities. It's about what the Lord can do. So understand that you need to keep your eyes on what he's doing and what he wants you to do and not about like what I can do. Because if you focus on what you can do, you're not getting very far. I promise you that. <clears throat> A, somebody committed to spiritual warfare disciplines their thoughts and actions, which means they take sin seriously. It was just a little white lie. <laughs> That's all. That's all it was. Just a little white lie. If you don't take that serious, it will develop into something where you are a narcissistic liar. It will, I promise. You don't take those things seriously and you just let them fly. Like, huh, I make $100,000 a year. Well, that was a white lie. <laughs> I make $100,000 in my life. I was just embellishing just a little. I just, I just needed to put that on an application because if I didn't put that on the application, then I may not have been approved for that loan. That I really need because I know what I need. You don't. Understand you need to take sin seriously. Because sin has to do with that righteousness, that breastplate. If you're not able to wear a breastplate because you're not pure, if you don't have that purity, that breastplate, the notes say you are susceptible to a deadly blow instant death. Boom. Enough said. Um, <clears throat> you embrace spiritual disciplines and strengthen and that strengthen and prepare. That's where the, the, the phrase guard your heart comes from, right? You need to guard your heart. Guard what you meditate on. Guard, you know, it, it, all has, it all comes together. It's about that focus. It's about guarding what you put in your mind. It's about guarding what you meditate on. It's guarding what you say because there's power in everything that you say. You know, there, it's like the most common thing. You know, you'll be in school. You have like a kid trying to do math and he gets one wrong. Like two plus two, three. No, I'm sorry, little Johnny. That wasn't right. Oh, I'm so stupid. There's such power in that statement, it's not even funny. You've got to recognize that there's power in the words. You need to guard your heart, guard what you say, guard everything that takes place. And I'm not talking about be fearful. Guarding doesn't mean fear what you say. It doesn't mean fear what, what it goes into your mind. It says guard. You can guard something without being fearful. Period. All the security men that we've ever had in Nigeria, they are like not fearful at all, yet they are guarding us completely. I mean, it's just insane. Um, and you welcome accountability structures. That goes back to what I'm talking about with this fast. 
Understand that this is going to be war. This is going to be very difficult. The Lord said, so if you don't believe me, believe the Lord. The Lord said it will be more difficult for all. Pastor Greg, Pastor Alexis, I don't care who you are. It is going to be hard, harder for all. So understand with that, in getting the focus, in disciplining your thoughts and actions, in, in getting this, this readiness, in, in making sure that you're doing everything that you can do, part of that is welcoming the accountability structure. If you know that it's going to be a struggle to not eat this next week, go find somebody. Don't go find somebody that is going to say, well, it'll be okay. Just It was just one. No, go find somebody that says, dude, you cannot eat that. Understand what we're focused on. Look, these Navy SEAL instructors and things like that, that their, their entire goal is to get you to quit. They want you to quit, quit, quit. These drill instructors just hammer the absolute nonsense out of you. Just, just constantly. They get two hours of sleep. They wake up again. They got logs on their shoulders. I'm talking about from videos. I don't know. But from their training videos and all the stuff I read, they just, it's insane what they do. And if they don't have a team an accountability structure, people coming around them to help motivate them and keep that zeal alive within them, it becomes very, very difficult to, to get through that week. As a matter of fact, I think it was only 16% of all the people that go through Hell Week or go through this, this training that actually make it. The rest of them don't. They quit. And you don't, you don't get fired or sent out or told you can't come back. You have to quit. That's, that's, that's your option. And every time it gets tough, every time you feel that pain in your legs from running five miles or whatever, there's a drill instructor right there with this little, this little bell or horn or something saying, all you got to do is ring it. Quit. Just quit right now. They want you to quit. Why? Because if you don't quit, that's what they need. And just understand, Understand, like there, there was this movie, I can't remember which one it was, but the similar thing was happening and this team comes around them and like they just, they reached out for whatever it was in their team. No, don't you quit. Don't you quit. You need to make this, think about your family. Think about, you know, blah, blah, blah. I think this was some other training thing for like getting a job somewhere or whatever it was. And, and it's just, you can't quit. You need to push through. Think of your family. Relight that zeal. Keep moving forward. And they're just pressing and pressing and pressing. And they're the accountability structure. They're not going to let them quit because they need them to make it through. They're part of their team, right? I can't do this without my full team because if you quit, who's going to tell me not to quit when I go to quit? You know, and there's, there's teamwork involved with that. So understand that it is a very, very wise thing to go ahead and get with somebody about this fast. Be accountable. Text each other every day. Hey, how's the fast going? Did you eat today? Just ask them flat out. Don't, don't, don't play it safe. Don't play it safe. Flat out say, dude, did you eat that pizza that I saw on your Instagram post last night? Seriously. You know, be serious about this. And you make prayer central. Making prayer central is probably one of the most important factors into spiritual warfare. James 5.16 says, The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Diligent, intentional prayer is crucial to every aspect of our strategy. Prayer isn't what we do. Prayer, prayer isn't what we do when we need to know what to do. Prayer is what we do. Prayer isn't something that we do to like, I don't know, find strategy for something. No, prayer is the strategy. 
right? Prayer's strategy will come through all these things and whatever when the Lord gives it. But prayer is your strategy. Because if all you're doing is just seeking a strategy, you're not going to find it unless you're praying. Because the only one that knows the right strategy is the Lord God. And, and that comes through prayer. That comes through time spent. <clears throat> we, are, we are at war. We are at war with the demonic forces. We are at a, a very high point of decision um, in the word that, that came through Alexis. It even talked about, you know, do you trust me? Um, the, Lord, the Lord is bringing about that answer and understand that it is coming through these next seven days. These next seven days, if you don't think are going to be hard, if you don't believe that, well, I know he says it's going to be more difficult, but it still won't be that difficult. Don't, don't underestimate don't underestimate your enemy. That's, that's a very stupid, stupid idea, in my opinion. Um, understand, don't be fearful, because there's always, God doesn't put us in something that, that there's not a way to overcome. He doesn't. He doesn't he, he's not assigned us to wrath. He's not assigned us to the end. He's assigned us to victory. He's called us into that. So under, understand that, that we're moving into something this week that is very important, that is very weighty, and you know, reach out, reach out to people, uh, get that accountability structure because just like in teamwork, you know, this, this corporate fast isn't about like pastor Greg and Alexis making it through the fast and all of us, well, we didn't, but you know, our leaders did. And so we'll be okay. You know, no, they, they require accountability and, and that teamwork as much as anybody else. It isn't, don't everybody just pick Greg or Alexis as their accountability partner and them have to be, you know, keeping everyone else accountable. Find someone, you know, elders, find Greg, find Alexis, keep them accountable and have them keep you accountable. Don't, don't exclude leadership in a position of leadership out of something. It's like one of the most common things in, in churches is like the pastors always forgot about when praying. No one ever goes and prays for the pastor it, to, with them. They'll pray for them and things like that. There's never like encouragement given to the pastor because... That's the pastor's job, duh. No, it, it's not that way. Understand that they're in this fight. If if not the same, definitely more heavy. Um, they are they are the anointed leaders of the church. Um, don't don't forget about them. Don't forget about them this week. Um, keep everyone in prayer. And Jeff, I don't know if he told you, but you're you were going to come up and and just kind of share anything the Lord laid on your heart as well at the end here. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. That's, that's, that's all I have. <clears throat> so, Lord, your will be done. Um, yeah, let me pray. Lord God, thank you so much just for the opportunity to be up here this morning. Thank you that I just didn't stumble around like an idiot. <clears throat> God, I, I thank you so much for just the trust and, and just the love that you have for me and for each one of us, God. I pray for your will to be done in this fast. God, I pray for you to move like you've never moved before, Lord. And I thank you so much for the fact that I know that walking away from this building, we will have people go and get accountability because these people are committed. They've sung worship to you and declared words out of their mouth this morning that they are determined to stay in your presence. They are determined to see you move. God, and so I just ask you to just completely grant every one of the prayers that have gone into this, every one of the declarations that have gone into this, God, and just make us aware supernaturally of any that are on the outskirts, any that, that need the, the reaching out because they're just struggling and can't figure out how to reach out. God, allow us to understand that and, and to know personalities, God. I just pray for your will. I trust you this week. 
I thank you just for, for all of the joy that this will bring, even in the tough times. God, in Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just a couple things. Um, I know that Michael already emphasized this quite well, but I just want to tell you, don't fear this week. Just don't... Uh, they won't be able to hear you. Oh, we're still on? Okay. We don't have to be on. So just don't fear this week. Like when we're talking about things, that all of this is in an ultimate plan with the Lord, right? And he loves us dearly this week. And just don't fear. You have all the strength and all the authority that you need for this week. Everything that you need. So don't fear it. And then secondly, what Michael was saying about accountability. Your accountability ultimately is to Jesus, right? But but grab someone that reminds you of that relationship with him during this week, right? Your accountability is not to another person. But that person reminds you of your relationship with Jesus, right? So just let him tell you who you should who you should reach out to this week and and say, hey, can you help me out? You know, let's go at this together type of thing. Does that make sense? All right. So I'm just going to say this as a guy, but you ladies always find ways to get together and hang out with each other. But the guys tend to not do that. So there is a bonfire at the McConaughey's house on October 5th from 7 to 10 p.m.